Welcome to JL Out Loud, the podcast of Jewish Renaissance. My name is Judy Herman, and I really am delighted today to welcome Hansler Falk. I don't know where to begin about your background in education, in entertainment now, which I think they go together. And so I want to know what you think the link is between this amazing new festival sits at Fringe, or the Jewish Fringe, and what you've done before, like having the idea for Limud. I mean, your ideas on education, we could talk about them all day, but just tell me how the, your past leads into Sitsit. Thank you very much. So, now, I really appreciate this, and I really appreciate the support of <laughs> Jewish Renaissance. So, I mean, that's absolutely the key question, because in a way, Sitsit, the world's first Jewish fringe, as we like to call it, and we think it probably is, really is a kind of a culmination of various things and threads, you'll pardon the pun, through my life, which, uh, sitting around for a long time during COVID, allowed me to kind of think about and pull together. So one of the first ones is actually Limud. Uh, and last year was actually the 40th anniversary of Limud, which I was uh, fortunate enough to be in at the beginning of, mm. uh, 40-something, 40 42 nearly years ago now. You must have been um, a child, yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, and... Two or three of us from those days had had lots of conversations with the current people about what should we do now and da da da. And of course, the situation with COVID changed everything significantly. But I had something nagging away at the back of my mind that, you know, that was 40 something years ago. It's about time you did something else, Hulk, to, uh, to do something <laughs> a bit interesting. So that was kind of number one. Uh, number two was it's a true uh, that some years ago I indulged myself slightly and created, and I won't bore you with the background from where it came from, a one-man show called Much Ado About Noshing, which was, I describe as a light-hearted look at Jews' books and food. And I had a fabulous sort of 15 months touring it around various fringe festivals, uh, mostly uh, on the kind of spoken word side, um, and then spent a week in Edinburgh, um, which mm. was, you know, one of the best weeks, definitely, of my life. Uh, <laughs> I so, share uh, that one. I know exactly uh, what you mean. <laughs> you know, ranging from a great place to stay to a nice place to breakfast mm. to spending your day giving out the flyers. <laughs> and, uh, as I gave out the flyers, uh, you know, I get people coming up to me and looking at this and seeing much about noshing and then giving me a bit of a, a nod and a wink and a great <laughs> to let me know that they were part of the tribe as well. Uh, and it struck me that there was probably a whole group of people out there who were busy looking for things with a vaguely kind of Jewish theme. So I'd filed that one away as well. And then somewhere along the line, uh, in my library of puns, the Tzitzit Jewish fringe uh, came up. And all of this kind of came together, as I say, when uh, working uh, from home uh, through all the lockdown. And I thought, well, let's give it a try. Um, and I was fortunate that a friend of mine uh, drew up quite a nice graphic. We had a bit of interesting fun trying to get to that uh, and quite a nice website. And we went out there with a strap line which basically said, if it's Jewish enough for you, it's Jewish enough for mm. us. Um, and really keen that we created something that was diverse in that way, but also dispersed and wasn't just a kind of mm. Northwest, a North London or Northwest London festival, but also was dispersed in that it took account of all the many places mm. that Jews have lived. Um, and some of the you know, really interesting ones you would know about, as well as some mm. of the ones where Jews do still live. So diverse and dispersed was what we were looking yeah. at. Can, I, can I stop you for a minute? Like a yeah, sorry, mm. I just want to stop you, because you, you, is it you who is so brilliant at thinking up things like diverse and dispersed? I mean, there are so many lovely little strap lines, you know. So I, I just... I, 
I'd like to tell you we have a communications team, but no, it's me. Yeah, I, I just absolutely love them, you know. Thank you. Honestly, no, muzzle mine, drop. Because they just say it, they take you straight into it. Um, well, we, we looked at a third D. I did look at a third D, which is going to be diverse, disperse, and, and diaspora. And my wife, who's used to my schemes, suggested probably the third D would be better if it said debt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, she's got a point. No, no, that it is perfect the way it is. That's the whole point. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, I wrote down sort of things like, oh, it's multidisciplinary, it's countrywide, but actually it says it all, doesn't it? Uh, what, yeah, you, yours. Uh, look, I'm a fan of alliteration as well as yes. Well. I'm afraid I am too. Yes, I, I don't, I don't like to send a tweet unless it's alliterative somewhere along the way. <laughs> so I think we might be soulmates. I think I've given out those leaflets, and it was for a breakfast show. Imagine that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've given out the leaflets, and I've also worked in Edinburgh as a journalist. And every, yeah. those weeks are unforgettable. Well, you don't sleep during it that. It was time. a wonderful experience. I was in a, a I mean, my venue was a mm. small. Uh, cellar in a cafe on the mile, which of was course it was. Mile, which was fantastic. <laughs> it was a small cellar, mm. uh, but not a best cellar. And I was preceded <laughs> by a lovely guy who I got quite friendly with, uh, who was doing a 40 minute rhymed uh, critique of capitalism and didn't get very big audiences. Uh, and, and of course, he was also quite a lefty um, and kind of sort of rabidly anti Zionist. Uh, oh. And we stuck up quite a friendship. He stayed on to watch my show and had to watch the Jews get the audience. You know, just <laughs> add insult to injury. Um, oh, but it good. was a fantastic week and a wonderful mm. experience. Uh, and I learned a lot about, about theatre and about fringe mm. and about what people are looking for and, and the fact that there are people out there just doing fantastic stuff, just unbelievable stuff, mm. weird and wonderful stuff. That you wouldn't go near in a month of Sundays, but that's fringe, and that's what I fell in love with. Mm. Well, which is probably is a month of Sundays in a way. That's that's a good strap line for the fringe, well, isn't it? <laughs> we now have is a month of Sundays. Yes, that's exactly what. Yes, yeah. well, that... I hadn't thought about that. That's a great tagline as well. Oh <laughs> right, well there you are. You're very welcome to it. <laughs> um, also, I absolutely love the name. I mean, everything about that is absolutely superb, isn't it? You know. So did you think of it as Titsit? I thought of the name. I mean, you know, Titsit obviously are fringes, and that's great. Mm. I had quite an interesting conversation then with a, an old friend of mine who's actually based in Spain, um, and therefore was a slightly, looking at it from a slightly different linguistic perspective, because um, I had to explain to him what the fringe connection was. Obviously, he knew what Titsit mm. were, what the fringe connection was. And he said to me, that's like really interesting, because what you're doing is you're taking something which is a very traditional and orthodox image and kind of using it against itself mm. almost. Yes. And there was an intention to try and subvert the image. Mm. And, and as you'll see if you look at our visuals, they're taking the fringe and making them multicolored. Mm. So it is about saying, yes, this stuff, which is about Jewish culture, does have a connection somewhere to Jewishness and Jewish tradition. Mm. That's where it grows out of. But look at all the fabulous, multicolored, mm. diverse, different ways in which people have taken these identities uh, and the ways in which these identities today particularly connect with other identities. And the other thing I liked about Sitzit was in its traditional wearing, you know, Orthodox Jews, males, wear them outside their garments so you can mm. actually see them. So it's very visible. And in the light of what's been going on and the debates in the last couple of years in this country, I was interested in something which was visibly Jewish, but not the kind of visible Jewish that you might you'd be used to which was just arguments around 
you know, what's happening in the Middle East or even around mm -hmm. arguments or even kind of history of the Holocaust, because it struck me there was this other rich, diverse culture there, which if you could get it out, people could see it. And all of that was kind of encapsulated in this idea of, of the fringe and the fringes. Yeah, well, as I say, it sort of goes on because you, you can't help it, can you? If you would like to help weave it. 2021 or just want more detail fill out the count me inform but there you are you've got weave so that's good yeah, I, you, you can't help it can you in the original there was stuff about what it's about is unknotting tradition, oh. and <laughs> tradition i mean we really kind of went for it hmm. but having said that I, I in my other work in my other in my work because i you know, don't have pay for this in my work we spent a lot of time talking about the way in which people today are fulfilling roles which are about weaving di disparate mm. threads together mm. and i actually think it is quite an interesting uh, art in and of itself which is very much around kind of world that we live in it's being able to understand and weave them together and happily we have at least one of our shows which is about knitting actually about oh, yeah I saw. About um so that was great and, and in her description of it well Sounded like ours, so that was too good to be true. Yeah, well, actually, at the moment, knitting is uh, very, very in vogue. It's everywhere. It's out there. If I could find a Jewish diver who knits, I'd be in, you know, <laughs> I'd be in gold. Wouldn't yeah. be great? Actually, <laughs> can you just say precisely what you are doing now to bring your daily um, horror to the table, please? Your daily bread. Okay, for my daily bread. Uh, for my daily bread, I, I currently work as a. Uh, kind of a consultant it's part of a small team with a not-for-profit called foundation for education development mm. which has a which has a limited lifespan and was set up very particularly to argue for a longer term approach to education policy in this country rather than the constant changes that you currently get with a system where you have the secretary of state for education mm. who changes every two years who has some new idea that introduces mm. uh latin into schools for example so our thing is, is all about creating a cross-party consensus on a long-term approach mm. to education policy. Um, actually, you know, talking about weaving, all this background, you've got a massive background in education, haven't you? And now you're obviously in education, not just specifically Jewish education, but for years you were in Jewish education. And all of these things do come together now because I'm thinking you probably would like to attract a diverse audience. You want all sorts of Jews, but you want non-Jews as well, don't you? Absolutely. And my experience of Much Ado was what started out as a very as a request for a very Jewish space and audience with what was the Filter Fest, actually, if you remember <laughs> yes. that. that I do, I do. <laughs> yeah, that's how I came to it initially. Mm. Once you were doing it in, you know, Waterstones in Stratford-on-Avon <laughs> or Bath or whatever. Yeah, that well-known Jewish venue, yes. <laughs> yeah, your Jewish audiences were limited to the guy in the front row who'd lean over conspiratorially and whisper, I'm the only Jew in Bath. And you'd have to tell him, I don't like to tell him, mate, but the bloke three rows back just telling me that as well, so why don't you meet each other? But, but, it, but I agree. It mm. is absolutely about getting broad Jewishness and Jewish mm. culture out to wider audience. Now, I think that is, you know, we're at a time when that's kind of understood much more. Mm. So if you look at things like popular things, like Friday night dinner, mm. so Friday night dinner is kind of a really great example. I first encountered... Friday night dinner before I watched it, uh, where I was working back in, um, actually, in King Solomon in Ilford. Uh, and somebody told me about this program and told me it was like a really, like a really Jewish program. And I remember watching it at the time and thinking, 
this doesn't feel very Jewish. When I look at it now, and I love it, I kind of, you know, mm-hmm. in love with it like oh, everybody else. Incredible. It feels very Jewish, but in a particular, in a very kind of deep and broad way. Mm. So the only visible Jewish thing on Friday night dinner is there's a colour on the yes. table. <laughs> but everything else that happens, in a way, the stuff you only understand if you understand all of the subtleties mm. around it. And again, you know, in terms of going back, even before I guess I'd started Linwood, one of the, the highlights of my career was uh, was getting permission actually uh, from the late Jack Rosenthal to mm. adapt his um, play Bar Mitzvah Boy mm. uh, into a school uh, play oh, which we did at Palmer College, which oh. I produced. And he came down and he took some rehearsals, whatever. And and you know I've always kind of been fascinated by the way in which Jews are Jews, which is very different from what it tells you in the textbook, um, and the way in which we weave our own kind of versions of Jewish identity. And some of those threads kind of float off into nowhere. Uh, but it is really interesting. And I think when people say, I don't know much about Jews, or I do know about Jews, what they're often referring to is a very stereotyped mm. image, particularly now when every time on the news there's an item about Jews, they reach for a, an image of somebody from Stamford Hill. So it is true. And a number of the artists who came to us said one of the things that attracted them was the ability to take their version of Jewishness out to a much broader world. Well, which you're you're certainly doing here. I mean, we we really have got to look at this. Um, I I would say Schmorrow's prod if it wasn't quite. <laughs> you see what I mean? It's it's like the most incredible Jewish feast. Um, I I sort of tried to look at it's countrywide, which I think you've said. Yes. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it suddenly became worldwide. You take this idea and run with it. That's exactly, because Anyone you can look, you know, we do things online now as well, and I think that's yeah. another thing that you're doing. Yeah, we have got international as well. Yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, you're making it accessible. It's multidisciplinary. I mean, this embodies that, so we can, we can talk about that as well. Obviously, it's incredibly inclusive, because... You know that it's got it's Sephardi, it's Ashkenazi. It uh, I've looked at so many different things. Thank goodness it's got Yiddish in it. I mean, what who could resist Yiddish music hall? Well, maybe some people can. Cockney Yiddish music hall. I mean, that's a big must for me. And and on the last night, which is the one I'm most looking forward to, mm. oh, our, that... Jewish, our Jewish response to Halloween, yes. for a night, <laughs> or who says Jews don't have demons? Uh, <laughs> which will include a, a performance being devised in Scotland called Golems and Glens, about Scottish and Yiddish demon folklore, uh, and also a Yiddish Punch and Judy show oh, about wait. demons along oh. the way. So that's oh. at the Jewish Museum on October the 31st. We take over the whole museum. There'll be film, there'll be music, there'll be theatre, uh, and if we're really unlucky, we'll kind of bring a few demons out as well. Um, although my guess is that Jewish demons don't actually do Halloween because it's already quite crowded. <laughs> Yeah, we have a lot of stuff going on. So I just pause and say, as you've been a comedian before, where's your show in all this? There must be one. <laughs> <You>. <laughs> oh, that's, that's quite interesting. So I, every so often I say, you know what, I think I'll maybe dust down much to do about notching. Mm. Uh, and then I look across the table at my wife. And she, you know, hey. <laughs> okay. okay. I haven't got enough on. But there is a show of mine in there. Oh. Um, because I'm currently uh, working on, we've just received permission, actually, full permission from the author, I'm currently working on adapting a children's, a wonderful, wonderful children's book uh, called uh, Meet at the Ark at Eight. Oh, uh, yes. Um, wonderful book. And we're adapting it into a children's musical. So there is a show of mine. I don't do the music. I do the lyrics. Um, but we will be premiering uh, the musical version of Meet at the Ark at Eight, which is a show about 
two penguins who try and smuggle a third penguin onto <laughs> Noah's Ark uh, in the face of a very uh, officious dove. Uh, and eventually, kind of, it's about finding love uh, mm. and God in a suitcase and cheesecake. So mm. that's, well, that's what I'm doing for this one. I guess arcs are probably quite, you know, sadly quite topical in a way, you yeah. know, smuggling <laughs> children exactly, on board. Yeah. yeah, that's another must. I mean, would that be suitable, on a personal note, for five and eight-year-olds? Absolutely. I mean, that's a family show. Good. I have to say, when we put this together, I had in my mind mm. that we'd have these different categories. So theatre, music. And what I discovered was that comedy was very easy. So every Jew thinks they're funny. <laughs> uh, it's not and, that easy, you know, then. <laughs> yeah. And every Jew, or certainly, you know, every mm. male Jew, thinks they should be a stand-up. So that was kind <laughs> of uh, music was relatively easy mm. because every Jewish mother had taught their child to play something. Uh, and once you threw in the uh, Yiddish revival or the Ladino mm. revival or the revival revival, you kind of you know had quite a lot. Um, Theatre was the hardest, and actually where we're hoping to move to, and this is quite a serious point for us, is to be, because you have got the Jewish Music Institute and Film Week and Book Week, mm. What we're really looking to be is the place you'd come to to explore new theatre ideas. And we're talking now with the Jewish Museum uh, about using their collection as a stimulus for theatre about the British Jewish experience. Oh. And that's really where we'd like to get to. This year, we're able to provide seed funding for about half a dozen shows. And next year, the intention is to make that even more the case and hopefully working with Jewish Renaissance uh, on this one to establish some kind of scheme for, for new theatre writing about the British Jewish experience. So that was the kind of the theatre one. But the other one that was a bit hard was family. Uh, happily, we're now uh, partnering with the PJ Library to do a lot of half-term things. But finding family shows, I think, in the first year when people didn't know who we were, was a bit hard, so mm. it seemed simplest to write one. So that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's you, right. OK, that probably encapsulates you. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, if you haven't got one, it's simpler to write one, you know, why go out and look for one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, we'll pull out a couple of these. Uh, I, I see you've even managed to crank Bob Dylan in there. I don't know who Johnny Brick is exactly, I did look him up. So, so Johnny Brick came just quite early with mm. the, the idea for Dylan a day, and I have to admit to being, you know, a massive Dylan fan. Yeah, uh, I'm in. <laughs> so... At the same time, I'm also not a fan usually of people doing <laughs> But Johnny's great. Uh, so, look, I was just in correspondence with him today, and we're actually talking about a wonderful podcast called Is It Rolling Bob? I don't know if you've ever heard it, but it's <laughs> no, a fabulous podcast. Wow. <laughs> uh, basically, a couple of guys interview people about why they like Dylan, and they're sort of, you know, well-known artists and, fit and actors and whatever, mm. but they also, along the way, interview people who've played with Dylan on uh, you know, on tours, on the Rolling Thunder tour, on Blonde. So some of them are just fantastic. So I'm a bit of a Dylan freak. Mm. Um, on his 80th birthday, I set myself the challenge of listening to 80 Dylan songs. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, cleared the house, which was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way of doing it, yes. It's not everybody gets to. So we got Bob in there, yeah. Mm. Oh. So we're hopefully going to have... Uh, we're still working on it because he physically can't be with us. Somebody who will be doing a Yiddish version of a couple of Bob Dylan and oh. a couple of Leonard Cohen songs. Gosh. Oh, yes. Well, you can't have the one without the other nowadays, you know. Nah, yeah. Nah. Leonard, Leonard is big and, yeah, Leonard is beautiful. And I'm just at the moment reviewing a, um, a book about his religious influences, which is good. Oh, you right. probably love I mean, that. Massive Leonard Cohen fan. And yeah. if you were present at any of those concerts he did in those. 
later years when I he was. came back and that they were just so wonderful. I was. We were a long way from the stage, but the atmosphere was great and it was just being in the yeah. same room with him was incredible. Yeah. So let's just pick out another few things. As you said, Ladino music, you know, it's yeah. all very well going on about Yiddish music. Anna Silvera. Is she Silvera or Silvera? How do I pronounce her name? Uh, that's a good one. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, actually. Oh, so, we both need to um, know that. So mm. Anna's a really interesting artist, and Anna's also not only doing the concert, uh, she's doing a concert in Manchester where her great-grandfather, I think, was one of the founders of the synagogue, which is now mm. the Jewish Museum. So she has a real family mm. connection, so they're quite excited about that. But she's also working during that week to do a workshop for families on Ligino music and its origins. Um, so, yeah, I think Ladino is really interesting in the sense there's quite a lot of new Ladino and Ladino revival music out there, um, where you, uh, in a way where you might have expected uh, to find years. But look, I'm not an expert in any of these mm. things. I'm merely a dilettante impresario. <laughs> dilettante impresario. That's a good term to, to, to coin. Actually, though, Anna brings up something else I've noticed. There's a sort of inheritance thread in that she's talking about her inheritance and some of the other um, so that, shows are too, aren't they? Yeah, that's very noticeable. In fact, on the 17th of October at the Jewish Museum, we have a series of shows, all of which are built on that idea of family history mm. and inheritance. Um, and that's our first theme, if you like, our theme day at the museum on the seventeenth. Mm. On the twenty-fourth, the music hall, and on the thirty-first, the mm. uh, the demons' evening. But it is again very interesting how many people are looking into their own histories uh, and and finding and creating stories around that. And, and, and I do think that partly to do with our current climate in terms of people being more interested in family history. But there's also an element, you know, I wouldn't necessarily identify one person or another on this. There's also a bit of an elephant, element, elephant, bit of a, <laughs> the, elephant, the element in the room, yes. <laughs> the element in the room. The element in the room is actually what I've described as post-Corbyn Jews. Ah, um, and I do good think one. that there's been a, something in the last couple of years whereby people have been struggling to find their Jewish identity against the background of all of the debates around Corbynism and anti-Semitism, but not to define it within the framework of Corbynism and anti-Semitism. Mm. Uh, and they've certainly become more Jewish, and we've definitely seen that in terms of, you know, what's happening in public spaces and all the stuff with, you know, Tracy Ann Oberman and all the mm. stuff about the kind of the Jew-face debate or whatever it was. Mm. But I think there are a lot of artists who are looking at ways in which they can rediscover their own Jewishness and Jewish roots. Mm. And that has been stimulated, you know, maybe like a positive outcome, if you like, of the kind of obsession only with the negative stuff around anti-Semitism and all of those issues. So certainly a number of people have spoken to me about one of the things I like is that I have been exploring my identity and I was looking for something like this to be able to, you know, be somewhere to bring it. What's just wonderful is that you haven't left out the Holocaust. You've just found new ways of looking at it, I suppose. There's a lot of depth of history as well. I mean, maybe this is a niche thing, but it's not to me. It's not. The life of the great Don Quixote and Sancho Panza, as written and retold by the Jew Antonio Jose, I suppose it's Jose da Silva, a newly devised show based on an 18th century Portuguese playwright adaptation of Cervantes' novel. I mean, I think that sounds incredible. Well, that's the best title we've got, definitely. Mm. And I'm really excited about that because that one came to us through somebody who is um, Brazilian, actually, I think, who's living over here. 
and I don't even know how he stumbled on what we're on 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 Sitsit, but he got in touch and said, "Wow." <laughs> And I've got this idea for a show, which is based on a puppet show that he did back in back in Brazil. So he's been he's been travelling actually to Portugal to research this. Um, I agree, it's just absolutely glorious. I mean, you know, it does provide a kind of an echo of British Jewish history through the whole Spanish and Portuguese tradition. And we normally hear about the Spanish, but rarely mm. about the Portuguese mm. tradition. It's also a young guy who's living here. Uh, and you know, and he's finding his own way into the Jewish community. Uh, it's a new piece, which makes it exciting. We've been able to fund it from Arts Council grant funding, which makes it even more mm. exciting. Um, and it's a very theatrical piece, which he's presenting in four or five different spaces, including outside London, which makes it you know exciting as well. Yep. So I agree with you. The Holocaust thing, though, is interesting because originally I was I was not wanting to have too much, which was kind of Holocaust uh, related. Um, in the same way, I didn't want a lot of stuff which was just sort of, you know, Israel-related. So mm -hmm, we've been mm -hmm. a little bit... And there are a couple of things where we said, I'm not quite sure. But what we do have is quite is a really interesting piece which premiered at the Brighton Fringe, which looks at queer mm -hmm. history through the Holocaust and queer Jewish history, which I knew nothing about. So for me, that's been a really very interesting one. Um, and we do have... So we, we do have a piece which is an Israeli, British-born Israeli artist bringing over... Uh, which is about second generation. And uh, that may not be in your list yet, but that, that, that's, that's going to be really interesting once oh, you've performed right. that before. Um, so... What's it called? Uh, What's it called, it, that one? This is called Whistle, and the, subline is, uh, the subtitle is uh, I Was Mengele's Secretary. And oh. it is based on somebody who, you know, during the Holocaust did serve as, as Mengele's uh, secretary. Um, and it is all about the kind of issues about guilt and technology, as you'd expect. Now, I should also say, and I'm, you know, I'm going to get into trouble with this mm -hmm. one, actually, um, because this is a guy who's applied overseas, and I hope he isn't here. But some of the things we had were, you know, one of them that came in uh, was about somebody who was struggling with their idea. And I'm sure it's a great show. If you're mm -hmm. listening, it's a great show, and we're going to take it, but online. But uh, it was quite early on when I was putting this together. Uh, and, and my daughter said to me, how's it going? I said, well, this is what we've got. <laughs> and I read this description of a show which is about a guy struggling with his identity and anger and this mm. and angst. And it ended by saying, and I, you know, I was became reconciled to my identity talking to a young girl outside the shower block in Auschwitz. And, and this was kind of sent in. My daughter at that point said, I'm going to bring the popcorn for that one. Always serious in our family. There was kind of a sense that you didn't want to just overload it mm. with just angst mm. and identity crisis and kind of the Holocaust being used quite easily for that. Mm. On the other hand, one of the things we couldn't take, which I was really upset about, was a dance piece, which did start with Holocaust kind of themes, but it was 11 dancers from Israel, and we just couldn't afford oh, to bring them all over. Well, they wouldn't so, get here now, would they, sadly? So no. So, so I think that, mm. I think, it comes back to that idea of, of Britishness. We do have a piece, which is kind of, you, you may not have noticed, which is, on the other hand, around um, Solomon Schoenfeld. Uh, now, Solomon Schoenfeld is, is often a quite unknown figure unless you come from a particular community. Mm. Um, but he's definitely a hero of the Holocaust who rescued literally thousands mm. uh, of children. What's, um, what's that one called? I think it's called something like A Hero of Our Time. Yeah, I don't think that's um, one in, is um, in my list yet, is it? Got... It, it? Yeah, I mean, moving forward, there's, there is a lot of... There's a lot of um, Material, I think, to mm. be to be examined mm. in terms of what the kind of 
uh, British relationship was. I mean, I once, for another piece of work entirely, uh, read through every single uh, Jewish chronicle kind of pre-war. And what was quite, in those kind of, uh, in those years, and what, what was quite tragic as you kind of got closer to the, to 39 was the number of adverts for people seeking, mm. you know, positions as cleaners, housemaids, whatever, just people trying to get out. And of course, you know that, you know, many families like mine will carry a story of the uncle mm. who refused to be the guarantor for whatever. So I think there's a, there's a whole other uh, uh, wealth of, of quite difficult mm. material about how we respond to the Holocaust, which is different from the kind of Holocaust memorial mm. narrative, I think. Um, but having said that, uh, one of the things we definitely want to do and do want to do as we develop moving forward is to have interesting stories on the website and say, look, oh. here's an interesting British history. Did you know, for example, about the Jewish police chief in Brighton who was murdered in the 19th century in the police station by a man he'd arrested for stealing a carpet to hit him over the head with a poker, mm. uh, and he was the first Jewish police chief? Did you know about uh, Edith Ayrton? who was Israel Zangwill's wife and founded the League for Jewish Suffrage, Women's League for Jewish Suffrage. Um, did you know about Nettie, Nettie Ardler, who was the, you know, the then chief rabbi's uh, daughter, who was very active in social reform uh, in, 20th, in early 20th century uh, Britain? So I think there's a, there's a huge amount of history. And the idea is that working with the Jewish Museum, you'd be able to go into our website and find ideas to develop based Ooh. on that kind of rich diversity. Gosh. So would that be something in writing, though? There'd be sort of like a page about it? Yeah, there would yeah. a resource page and say, look, yes. there's some interesting people and ideas and things you might want to play with. Right. There's so, some ways of following that through. Right. It just doesn't exist at the moment. You can't mm. find it anywhere. Yeah. So you have to look quite hard. So wouldn't it be great if you mm. could go to and say, wow, here's some interesting stories and people and, mm. yeah. Well, so that you mean if you want, we're looking for an idea for a show... You yeah. might go, and then you could do some more research, and you might come yeah. up with something. That, yeah. gosh, yeah. that's so it's incredibly inclusive. What a wonderful idea! You know, to sort of help people along the way. Brilliant. And actually, if just reading it would be interesting. I mean, if you were a school child. Yes, I mean, I mm. didn't know, for example, that there was a Jewish community in Ilkley. <laughs> now, my cousin, I have a cousin who is a great expert mm. on kind of obscure Jewish. Mm. Uh, places and facts, and did actually do a, a, an online tour called, mm. you know, Ilkley with a Hat. Oh, well, I was uh, going to, I was waiting for the pun, I was so waiting for it, I couldn't think, what could it be? Yeah. But not only was there a Jewish community in Ilkley during the war, because people were, you know, mm. you know evacuated, but the rabbi was a rabbi fabricant, whose son is currently an MP. Oh, uh, yes. Not Ilkley, but nonetheless. Yes. Um, so I had no idea, and then... Some years ago, and I think this was all part of my, you know, muddled mm. mind all coming together through this, mm. we went away for a weekend uh, and we stayed in a, a hotel not too far from Brighton. Mm. And during the, the 20s, it had been a Jewish boarding school. So, <laughs> you know, you've got all these interesting mm. spaces and mm -hmm. places. So we are using the Soho Theatre, which used to be the Dean Street Cinema. Ah, I got married there. <laughs> oh, my my yeah. husband belonged there. And so whenever I go there, we go into the bar... And you can actually sit and have a drink or stand uh, exactly where the hooker was. So we. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and they were lovely because I called them and I said, "Look, we're doing this," and they got back and said, "You know what? We're actually talking about how do we recognise our Jewish heritage." So this is great. So they've been mm. fantastic. There's other interesting places like that around the country, and we didn't manage as much as I wanted to this year. But moving ahead, I really want to try and do more stuff, mm. which is in spaces that have got 
not necessarily old synagogues, it might be old butcher shop, mm. you know. Yes, of uh, course. Spaces mm. that have got Jewish history, that's, you know, interesting Jewish geographies is kind of part of the, yeah. the idea. So is that why the, this idea of the, the Norwich thing, we ought to look at yeah. that. Tell me a bit so more about that. It's somebody who arrived in Norwich before lockdown and stayed, mm -hmm. uh, and is doing, uh, has written this piece, which is, again, sort of a kind of family history, um, and is locating it in an abandoned shoe factory that belonged to a Jewish company. Right. So now, for me, that sounds perfect. <laughs> mm. Everything I wanted sits it to be. Uh, so, um, yeah, so there's a very good example. And then I, you know, did some research on kind of history of Norwich and what's Norwich about. And, um, and I would love to go back to that and revisit that. I mean, what's interesting is by next year, there should be a Jewish cultural centre in Brighton, Margate, Merthyr Tidville, you know, there are all kinds of places that are being taken over and becoming mm. cultural centres that have got Jewish uh, heritage. So I think, you know, Sitsik's kind of hit the right moment for that. Mm. But yeah. the more that we can engage with those people, with people's histories and our own mm. history in these fair isles, then, you know, the better. I think one has to make the effort, if one can, to go to Norwich. Um, because... uh, well, that would be great. I mean, mm. the other site-specific one we have, which is a, you know, which has turned out to be fascinating... Hopefully, it was just a couple of things we're working on this, but I think it'll work out. Um, we got approached by somebody in the States who'd written a show which was about the relationship between the artists uh, Pizarro and Degas. Mm. Uh, and I knew nothing about this, but Pizarro was Jewish, Degas was not, and was a bit of an anti-Semite, and this became increasingly mm. the case during the Dreyfus Affair. And the show is based entirely, uh, it's kind of a musical, piece of musical theatre, and the, all of the songs are taken actually from the correspondence between Pizarro and Degas. That's oh. the kind of background. And he came to us and said, would you be interested in this? Um, so I thought about it and I thought, well, yeah, I probably would, provided we can do something interesting with it. And the first place I went to unsuccessfully, before we get to that, was the Ashmolean Museum mm -hmm. in Oxford, which has the largest collection of Pizarro paintings in the country. And I, you know, I wrote to them and I got this very sort of lovely... Um, nicely English letter back with the slight, you could hear the kind of raised eyebrows <laughs> that suggested, no, we're not going to give you the gallery to do a performance of your thing. <laughs> um, so whatever. So then a little bit more Googling took me to um, the Stern Pizarro Gallery in the West End, uh, which is uh, run by a couple, uh, and she is a direct descendant, great-granddaughter, I think, of Pizarro. Oh. Pizarro. And indeed, actually, <laughs> the gallery has got a collection of Pizarro's, and they were all artists through the generations, Camille and Lucille and the others, and was, you know, it's a beautiful. And we were there just last week, and you know, provided they're happy with the scripts, there's just a little bit of toing and throwing. Mm. Our intention is to perform this piece in a gallery owned by oh. the great granddaughter Camille with oh. the Pizarro paintings in the background. We won't get an audience in it; it'll be live streamed. That mm. one, obviously, but what a fantastic oh, way of bringing something kind of life um and then i spent a, wasted a lot of time looking at everywhere else bizarre had lived in britain right? <laughs> oh but you had fun come on you love doing that <laughs> oh, wonderful, wonderful. so that's the kind of you know really uh, mm. interesting site specific where you can actually engage with people within the family mm. about their own stories and traditions um and yes that's definitely one of the things that we are that, that we're looking at doing and what what's that one called? I'm sure I've. And that's called uh, Letters from the Affair.
Right. Okay. Oh, that being the Dreyfus affair, presumably. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, so there you've got a show which is kind mm. of already there. So mm. in itself, it's not new, but the setting does bring a completely different mm. flavour to it. Right. Yeah. This is ridiculous because I'm going to have to give up everything else and just <laughs> just just <laughs> watch every That's single thing. But I have to say the other thing which I'm very excited about is we were approached by a theatre company, a real theatre company, uh, the Gamayun <laughs> Theatre Company, Gamayun they're called, mm. and they're doing a revival of an Israeli play, The Rubber Merchant, yes. by the Israeli writer Hanok Levin. Yeah, I saw uh, that. It's, yeah, a, it's a comedy about a condom seller. Um, Goodness me, how daring. It's, so, you know, in a Jewish <laughs> festival it falls somewhere between phylacteries and prophylacteries, I guess. <laughs> I think I think it. Uh, anyway, so we're, so we're actually able to run this for four nights, um, which is a you know, proper run. And Whoa. one of the reasons is we were incredibly fortunate that uh, the King Alfred School in Hampstead <laughs> has a beautiful little theatre and two weeks half term because it's October and it's a private school. Uh, and they have been immensely generous and are letting us have access to that theatre through a large part of Sitsit. So there'll, there'll be a four-night a four <laughs> run of The Rubber Merchant and a three-night run of the Don Quixote show in the theatre in Hampstead. Right, I mean, okay. how great is that? Yeah, well, so, sorry, so just yeah. a minute. I'm sorry, I don't know why we're having these connections. My um, Both my grandchildren go there, and when I saw Phoenix, I wondered whether it was, because I know the lovely so, guy so who runs Rob, it as well. The drama has been really helpful. Yes, yeah. um, Robert Messick. Yes, yeah, yeah. it's been really helpful, really yeah. helpful. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, that was my only temptation to redo uh, Much Ado just because of the parent body at the mm. King Alfred. <laughs> yes. Oh, they would love it. They would absolutely love it. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, but what a great ability to be able to say to a company, mm. look, we can give you like, yeah. basically a proper theatre and a mm. proper run. Um, and, you know, it's a revival. We'll be mm. the first place that they're mm. doing it. So that there's some very exciting things going on, I think, actually. Right. For, for those um, listening to this, um, it is an absolutely beautiful theatre. It's very inclusive. It's been rebuilt. Mm. And they have run stuff there before, professional stuff as well, as their own marvellous production. And uh, So we're using it for some solo shows yes. and for some theatre shows. And yeah. the children's show, the Meet at the Ark, will run during half-term there. That's oh, the gosh. Now, I hope the kids won't think, Oh, I'm not going to school during half term. I hope they want to go because that sounds like such a must. It really does. Um, what else? Is there anything else we really, really ought? I mean, well, yes, there is actually something very important. My mother lives in a home, and I'm absolutely fascinated yeah. about the idea. Old Friends is a verbatim theatre project based on the lives of residents. I'm reading, obviously, from the, your yeah. press release. As Anita Dorfman House, Jewish Care's new flagship residential home. Oh, what a beautiful idea. I have been to one show that is set that way, and but I, and it was a verbatim show. Now, where is that? Will it be in the home? Yeah, so, you know, we're, we're, we're doing a performance in the home. Oh, you are? Good. Mm. Uh, mm. Out of the home as well. So my own mum is now in Eton, uh -huh, so that's right. how I kind of got to mm. know about mm. it. Uh, and when I was looking at doing things for Sitsit and looking at what's around, it struck me that it's very rare that you find shows or grant applications for shows which are aimed at the effectively the over 80s. Um, but if you want something which is inclusive, you want something which is multi-generational. Um, mm. And, you know, there are a lot of people who've had a lifetime of talent and still are very talented people. So, we so we've had a very good relationship mm. and discussions with Jewish Care about what might work. And the person who's curating our theatre, uh, a guy called Conrad uh, Cohen, uh, came up with this idea 
where we where we will talk to various residents about incidents in their life, and that will be shaped into, you know, I'm not sure about the technicalities, into this piece of verbatim theatre. And that's a little bit the tip of the iceberg, because that is something that we're going to fund from our Arts Council funding, because obviously we don't use Jewish Care's, you know, very precious resource on that. Mm. But we're also asking, we've asked all of our artists if there are ways that they might like to get involved with Jewish Care's work. Um, well, you know, musicians, theatre people, etc. So we're hoping that this is the beginning of an mm. ongoing relationship, working with them, whereby once people come to sit, sit and find out what we're doing, they may give some time to working within Jewish care. Mm. Uh, we just think it's a really interesting, again, way of looking at doing stuff, which you say is inclusive, but inclusive in a kind of generational mm. approach mm. Uh, rather than other, other ways. Um, and, yeah, for me... You know, I'm still trying to save my mum to tell her own story. But for me, uh, this would be a wonderful thing. An East Dorpen House and Pears Court, which is next to it, uh, are they are magnificent, just magnificent facilities. Jewish care is an unbelievably mm. important and unbelievably magnificent, again, organisation. I mean, it just it's just been wonderful. Uh, and I can see how much great work they're doing. So be able to give something back and not pull on their resources it's really something that we want to do. Oh, just, just a beautiful idea, really. And again, you know, people in... Another example of a different way of telling theatre stories, of a basin theatre where you actually use the words mm. of the people whose reminiscences or whatever your stories that you're telling. Um, there's been a fair amount of that. I think people do know about it. But mm. it is... It is Oh, it's very respectful. It's a wonderful thing to actually say... And you, you actually, very often, you've got ear, the actors have an earpiece and they're actually trying to reproduce the, the fall of the voices. I've seen a fair few That's like exactly that. That's exactly how we're looking, yes. Yeah. And when I say... I don't know, it's not that people don't know about it. In a way, I say I don't, because I'm actually, you know, in a way, the least qualified person to be doing this, any, all of this. Anyway. No, you're not. It is interesting how long things take. So we <laughs> talked about Limud in 40 years. Mm. Um, in September, there should be a piece... Uh, so my own personal history is that we moved to London mm. uh, when I was about 13. Um, we lived in Sheffield. My father died mm. when I was quite young. Mm. And then we moved to London so my mother could live near her sister. And I went to City of London School, that kind of thing. And um, when I arrived at City, they, they were just setting up something called the Tuck Shop Theatre, uh, which was, um, uh, you know, a theatre space. And and for me, it provided me some of my happiest hours in you know days and weeks, whatever, in the school. I spent a lot of time there. Um, and it struck me when I was reflecting on where did all of this come from, that in a way, City of London gave me two things. It gave me a wonderful introduction to theatre, but also coming from Sheffield, where I was the only Jewish kid in my year at school, it gave me an introduction to Jews. I'd never seen so many Jews. <laughs> right. it's, 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 yeah. And it's, uh, not, it's not even uh, a Jewish school, so... Mm. Not even a Jewish no. school. Uh, and that combination of Jewish mm. and theatre is finally mm. took an awfully long time. Um, and I wrote a little thing about that on LinkedIn, which was picked up by somebody who edits the uh, the City of London uh, graduate magazine. Mm. So in September, there is a piece appearing about oh. how City of London created Sitzit, effectively. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> I guess we've sort of gone around the block, and we, 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 we should be near the end of this conversation. Otherwise, it'll be about as long as the festival. But you, we do need to talk about... We've mentioned the wool, but and I don't want to sort of stereotype older people as people who sit around knit because it's actually very... Everybody knits now. I'm not going to say it's a young person's thing. It's everybody's thing. Yeah. So um, I think we... Could we just have a word on that one? She seeks out wool. Yeah, again, um, 
uh, somebody just came to us with the idea and you know it seems to fit um i think we're running performances of this one both in london and in manchester actually uh it's visually a very exciting piece because although there isn't a lot of set the set is effectively two sort of giant knitting needles with a giant kind of wool uh between them uh, and it is very much looking back into her own family through the lens of of the of the females in the family going back a number of generations um and uh it's a piece that has been performed before um so in a way in a way that's actually quite useful because we we're actually able to see it and it is actually a very moving piece i have to say mm. and the reason that it's been performed in manchester also is because actually when we talked to the artist who's devised it it's a very uh, very impressive young actor uh, she said Oh, by the way, my family live kind of Liverpool. <laughs> Any chance that we go there, so we have a great working relationship with the New Jewish Museum, mm. who are running three events for us as part of Sitzit. Uh, they're running, um, they're running the Ladino evening uh, with Anna, which we talked about. They're running a Klezmer evening with a band called Klezmerish, and they're now also running the She Seeks Out Wool, uh, and they were also very excited by the visuals. Um, and in in all cases, what they're trying to do is to build something on it. So they do have, for example, in the Manchester Jewish Museum, a knitting circle. Oh. Uh, so mm. they're hoping that they can involve mm. Sophie, done it together oh, with that. Wow. And and I think you know, the thing I'd say, um, uh, you know, Sophie may not know this yet. That's the artist, so I'm going to mention this. For me, what's been very exciting, as somebody who really knows very little about this stuff, is finding people who know a lot more than me. And I'm hoping that they'll be the generation of people, or the you know, the group of mm. people will take sits it forward. Because you, you did say at the beginning something about it's kind of international. From the beginning, my idea was, look, this is a very simple thing. It sits it. It's a Jewish fringe. We've got a nice visual which you can use. You know, <laughs> take it anywhere. There could be a sits it Buenos Aires, a sits it Sao Paulo. As it happens, there's a Klezmer festival in Sao Paulo, which we're running online at the same time. We're joining with uh, during that during October. You can have a sits it Tel Aviv. Uh, um, and the intention is that we just say to people. Take the idea and invite Jewish artists, invite young Jewish artists, invite people who are playing around with Jewish identity. And the hope is that, yeah, it will be something that becomes as established in a way as Limud is, if you like, internationally. That's a wonderful place to stop. could probably go on forever now. I mean, I just noticed something about an Aussie Jew in London's tale of great Jewish women of the past, why she can't just find that elusive African of life. I mean, hey, you're even going... Con transcontinental aren't you we've got the yeah, other side of the world we've got a lot so um it's it's not to be missed and in fact you, there's almost no excuse is there because it's a lot of it's online as well it's, it's sometimes online as well as live isn't it yes yeah, so right? the last mm. thing i'd say is we have a relationship with a wonderful platform which was actually devised before covid called scene saver as mm. in s-c-e-n-e dot -E uk um which was set up pre-covid to capture those theatre shows that only run for three or four nights. Mm, very uh, good and idea. has lots of subscribers, and what we're doing there for is um, we're, we're intending to try and record and upload as many of the shows oh. as possible onto Scene Saver. So if you don't catch, you know, sometimes live stream is quite hard, but there will mm. be, you know, a record of yes. Sit Sit, uh, which we're trying to, trying to create. Um, and, you know, Scene Saver's been really helpful as well. And so that will mean, though, that people who can't get to things can see them? Yes, not after the events, yes. Yeah, afterwards, yes. not live. Some of it will right. be live stream, some mm. of it will be after right. the events. So I can't think of a box you haven't ticked, really, I can't. Um, 
it sounds incredible. Um, Thank you. As I said, that's my October sorted for sure. Um, actually, we should just finally, you've talked about it, you know, it may, may spread worldwide, it may be mm. a very beautiful virus instead of the one we've got. But would you be thinking to always do one in October? Very briefly on that. Um, mm. I'm not sure it was going to be June. I th I'm thinking now that doing it the month after the Chagim is quite a good month, yeah. Yes, so it would, it would sometimes have to be a bit later, yeah. wouldn't it? June was the original idea. I mm. think actually, in retrospect, June was not... June was so you could kind of pre-take mm. stuff before we went to Edinburgh and practice. But actually, in a way, this is quite a nice time of year because mm. you're more likely to go out, there's less other stuff on. Mm. So let's see how it runs. Limud ended up in December by chance. Mm. We've ended up in October by chance. Let's see what happens. Yes. A week after we finish in mm. New York, mm. there will be a small sit-sit New York. Oh, gosh. One day. Fantastic. I, I'm almost speechless. Luckily, not completely. So. <laughs> I just can't thank you enough, Alistair, for, for this incredible... Um, I, I knew it was amazing, and it's more amazing than I could possibly have thought. No, I, I, thank you for giving me yeah, the time to talk about it. Obviously, I, I love to do. Um, and, you know, I, I would say, this is one of the best... Uh, sleepless nights projects I've had in a long time. So that, you know. <laughs> well, I almost feel like saying I wish you many more sleepless nights. <laughs> yeah, a lot of those money stuff. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. <laughs>